Welcome to the Free Fire Pro Podcast. This is your host, Berserker Gaming, and I'm joined by my co-hosts. Hi, I'm Flame Carver, 6-1. Crash Man. And I'm Dad Venture. You can listen to this podcast wherever podcasts are available. We're so excited that you're joining us for the Free Fire Pro Podcast. And you can also find out more of these great tips and news and maybe get some free diamonds at freefirefamily.com. Welcome back to the Free Fire Pro Podcast. I'm Dad Venture, one of the hosts here, along with Berserker Gaming, Flame Carver 6-1, and Trashman. And Trashman's got some big news coming out of the Free Fire North America server. Trashman, fill us in on why today is, is a big deal in the North American server. Pro Series starts tonight. Open qualifiers. Yes. Open qualifiers starting tonight and running through the month of February and March playing for $50,000. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that if you're a Free Fire lover. Wow. It does not. And, and like Berserker, they had 192 teams played in the last Pro Series. I was able to broadcast some of that along with um, the other broadcasters. It gets all the way down to 18 teams who play into the finals, and 12 teams go for the championship. So, and Flame Carver, they go for $50,000. What would you do if you won $50,000? What would you think? I think that's a lot of money, and the first thing I would do is I think I would buy a car. Okay, car. That's that's very go. good. That saves your dad or your mom from buying a car. That would probably be very nice for them. Wink. Um, <laughs> and Cody, what do you think about? You're new to this free fire world, but now we have this pro series esports coming in to free fire, which is legitimate. And I don't know if you know this, Cody, but the Latin America championships last year had uh, had like 1.5 million people watching live on YouTube at one time. See, that is amazing to me. Isn't it incredible how esports has evolved over like the past five or six years? Like it's something that we always dreamed about. Like when I was in college, I always dreamed about it. It's like, wouldn't it be amazing if I could have got scholarships to go play at school, you know, and just play video games. And like now it's a reality. And it's because of all of the faithful supporters of the the sport, you know, throughout the entire world, pioneering this incredible esports, you know, throughout the world indonesia humongous uh, south america central america and north america is is coming on board like crazy i love it it's absolutely incredible hey if if what's the so so tell me at the pro series what exactly is the pro series do they play battle royale do they have uh, are they playing squads what what is this what do they do during the pro series the Pro Series is uh, it's Battle Royale. It's the biggest game mode in the game. Everybody awesome. loves Battle Royale. It's Battle Royale. They have other tournaments mm-hmm. that go along with the Clash Squad game modes. We've actually broadcast some. I know I have. Uh, Trashman and Flame Carver have all broadcast some of the other tournaments in here in North America. We've done Clash Squad and Bomb Squad and some of the others. But by far and large, the biggest money is in Battle Royale. 48 people in the match. And uh, so that's an exciting thing to see these 192 teams times four. And really, some of these teams have six players in a roster. We're talking 700, 800, uh, what, you know, 800 plus, you know, people playing, even more than that, that are all represented here. And ultimately, up to 1,200 people that are going to just some of them, a few of them, four of them may have their life changed, six of them by winning that grand prize. And it, it really is like the top 10%. Like you're, you're seeing the best of the best play, play it out. And it, it can get crazy quick. And I know emotions run high during these tournaments. 
Yeah, always the emotions always run high on these. I mean, people <laughs> people know what's on the line for this, and it's exciting. And so, as we we talk about these tournaments in the tournaments, there's always uh, a ne- necessary need for strategy and coming into the game with the right strategy to position your team to win. And so, I figure as we're doing this podcast, we've got to talk about the strategy, the tips and, and strategies, and, t- and tricks of the game. And so, uh, I want to talk about an article I found on the internet about the top five riskiest drop locations on Free Fire's Bermuda map in in last year. And so I want to break this down and talk about some of these locations, and maybe you guys can pitch in why you, you think these might be the risky locations or not. We don't have to agree. But number one is, on, the, on this article is Clock Tower. It's a, they say it's a very risky location to land. Uh, it's on the western side of the map. There's there's really um, there's some other locations around it, but the, the 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 traffic level in this location is quite high. And it's if you're especially if you're trying to push rank, this is not a recommended location. Why do you think Flame Carver? I know you have done a training series on your YouTube about lo- different locations, and Clock Tower has been one of them. Why particularly do you think maybe that Clock Tower is on this list of, of risky locations? Clock Tower is usually the the uh, plane comes right over Clock Tower, and it's just it's got a bunch of loot, different levels. You can just drop there with your squad. You can all get some great loot, and it's a good position where it's usually some. It's closer into the map, not right on the edge, so you can usually get to the next circle pretty quickly. It's a good just place to drop, and if you can survive there with your team, you have a good chance of rotating quite easily. Great, yeah, I would. I think I would agree with that, and uh, I don't know if I agree with this next one. We'll see what you think, uh, Trash Man, because I know we've landed here before. The next one, number two on this list, is Peak. It says that, you know, because it's in the middle of the map, it's a risky location. Um, there's two or three compounds up there. There's with a decent amount of loot. It's an elevated location. And because, really, they think they rank it this way because it's the center of the map. Mm-hmm. And that, that way you get in early fights and, and really all the fights come there. What do you think? I have a differing opinion. I think that Peak's a great place, and I'll explain that. But what do you think about that, Trashman? Uh, as far as staying away from it, it's 50-50. Like, you're, we're talking early game, dr- dropping in straight to peak. Um, it's it's just it's kind of a hit-or-miss place. You, you know, you get great loot there. The elevation's nice, but the circle could push you off of it, and you could drop there with a, a very strong team looking to wipe. But I, that, that would make sense. For me, when we have broadcast tournaments, and, you know, you guys can, can correct me if I'm wrong on this, Trashman and Flame Carver, a lot of people just don't land and peak because they they're playing to win. And so they think maybe it's because it's so risky to land there. Maybe that, I, maybe that actually makes me agree, but it's, it's usually a good location to land to get loot and get out of because no one else wants to land there. And so I don't think it's as risky as maybe the, a number two, but um, you guys agree it's a number two level, or do you think it'd be higher or low on your list of risky locations? I think that's um, definitely lower on my list. Probably higher on mine. Uh, just just because I, I would have put it over clock tower personally. Really? Okay. That's good. Um, next one here is one that I don't even know if Berserker even knows where this is familiarity with the map because this is one of the weirdest th- names in the map, but it's Bimisakti Strip. Uh, it's a, it features two compounds. I know it's where got that a is. Strip of road. You've been there? You've yeah, been there? I've been there. It's next to Peak yeah. and Plantation. <laughs> I know exactly That's, where that yeah. is. All right. Yeah. So you Google, like you Google a little bit. <laughs> so. Both of these have like level three gear often. And, um, you know, I, the problem with this, I think this is maybe even more risky than peak. 
And so I would challenge you um, on this one, Berserker. This is in the valley between um, really two hot drop locations, and you can just get peppered with shots. Have you ever have you ever had that? you know, with, risk of situation where you're just up, you know, getting hit from all sides. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. I, I've had that a lot, especially when I was new to the game and I didn't know you, I like, I like hot drops when I start a new game. So then free fire, like that was a, that was a place plantation was a place I would go. Um, but a lot of times when I'm starting, I want to figure out where the hot drops are. So definitely, uh, uh, that looks like a place I probably, uh, have been stuck before and killed at. So playing, playing battle Royale, I've started going more to like Cape town. Cause it's on like the, the fringe because it's a lot easier and a lot, you can, you can loot a lot more in Cape town than you can. Like, you know, you have to worry about everything in peak. So I like to go to the fringe of the map now, but that's just me. So. Yeah. That, that's used for the fringe of the map is usually good for new players for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, number four here is Mars electric. Um, Mars electric is on the fringe of the map. It's kind of on that Southern edge. It's a very large area with a lot of openness. They, in the recent update, they put some more barricades in and crates to kind of break down that openness. What I think was a good addition to this, to this game for sure, to make this a much more playable location. Uh, it's not always as crowded, but I, I find, and I think I agree with this. A lot of the people that will land at Mars Electric are are your better players who are landing there knowing they can get good loot and then get an easy team wipe or two from new players. What do you guys think about that, Trash Man? I didn't know this one was on the list, so I changed my opinion. Any tournament I've ever played in, I've thought I'll drop Mars Electric because nobody ever goes to Mars Electric, and the next thing I know, I am trying to roll to the right or the left to get out of that place, and it never works out for me. Right. You can't get up it's, those big It's hills. great loot. It honestly is great loot, but they just sit up there in factory and pick you off or sit at the bridge and wait for you to cross. Yeah. I, and that zip line is the worst one, right? Trying yes. to get that zip line and getting shot before you can get across. Yeah, I, I hate that. Uh, and number five here, and we'll see what you think about this one, Flame Carver and uh, Berserker. It's Mill. I think the Mill is hot, hot, hot. Everybody just loves to go to the mill. I think it's because it's just so compact. There's a ton of loot in a very con- compact, tight area. People are familiar with this one in Clash Squad. Uh, and so um, you're, you're kind of right up against the northeastern edge. There's nowhere really to run away. You've got to go all the way through the map down that giant hill. And so I think it's very risky for beginning players to land at mill. And I do think you're going to find the best, the best here. I would put this higher than fifth on this list. But what do you guys think, uh, Flame Carver? I would agree. Mill is a um, very hot drop. I think one of the reasons, because Mill is like the biggest area on that little spot on the map. There's not a lot of big towns around Mill. which And then Mill is just in a great location where you can kind of get there. And if you can control Mill, you might have a few guys coming over the hill. But like for the most part, you can own Mill after the first few minutes of the game. I would agree. I'd agree with that. I would uh, say- Trash Man, what do you think on that one? For Mill, um, I've not really ever dropped Mill. Uh I don't know if that's just by chance, so I can't really give a good good input on that one. Okay. Berserker, uh, what, what do you think about these five? What do you think about Mill and these other five? Well, I would say I would agree with Mill because every time I drop Riverside, I get pushed from Mill. Like, Because I think people get there quick and then they push, depending on where, where the circle's going. But like, I have been pushed from Mill quite a bit when I've dropped Riverside or when I drop close to Plantation like, or if I'm on the bridge there. like. So I, I would just say, like, yeah, I could see that. I could see Mill being a little bit higher on that list. But once again, I'm a noob. So, yeah, no, no, I don't land at Mill 
if you're new. It, it's dangerous. Just trust me. Uh, and so those are the those are the five. I agree with those are some five tough locations. I don't know that I would put, uh, you know, I probably would put Mars Electric down at fifth. I don't know that Bimisakti would have been such a risky location for me. Uh, I think that I would have I would have said maybe a different location uh, than Bimisakti. Maybe Pachinok would have made my list. I would have had pretty much all the rest of them on the list of some way. I do like the Land Observatory, even though I think good teams land there, but I just think there's so much cover there. You can get in and out of Observatory without too much damage, so I can understand why that's not on the list. But so as, you know, from someone who's an established player of this to someone who's who's newer to the game, Berserker, why don't you give us some insights on maybe as a beginning player, what we call a noob, I like to call pro noob. What are some thoughts that maybe tips and tricks that you have for beginner players who will be listening to our podcast? Well, whenever I play a new game, I like to Google and get some tips and tricks from the pros that play, how they play well. Um, and I try to kind of mimic my play style based on the people who are playing it who are having success. Because that's one of the best parts about playing any game is being good at it, right? And so sportsskeeda.com actually has the uh, the top uh, tips and tricks for noobs uh, from the pros. And so I want to go through that and see if you guys agree with these because you, you guys are pros, right? So uh, never loot in the open is number one. H- agree? Agree? Right? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree with that one. What do you think, trash man? Never loot in the open. We played uh, unless Call you want sniped. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if that's your end all, you want out of the game. Yes. If you yeah. want one tapped, yes, loot in the open. Yes. <laughs> now this is definitely more for for mobile players, not play, players playing on blue stacks on PC. But claw control, uh, that's that's a big thing. They said it was number two. I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm not. I haven't used claw control. What, what's what's been your experience with that, Carver? I know you play mobile. I used to play mobile and claws when you use four fingers or six sometimes even. Mm-hmm. And on tablet or phone, this gives you a huge advantage over phone players on two fingers. And sometimes even like PC emulator players because y- you can really just get really good at it and you can just wipe out everybody. Yeah, that's awesome. Number three, uh, I, the number three, this is this is key for me in any first-person shooter is I have to know what the aim precision is. And it says the best aim precision depending on what you play, okay? If your aim is weak, to use default um, with or without the scope is recommended, right? Would you agree with that? If you've got if you've got weak aim that you should use default, what do you guys have that you're set to? Mine's precision on scope. Gotcha. I do a lot of sniping, so... Mine's default. I like the drag shot on PC. It's just so much easier without having to like spend all that time aiming just to miss that shot. And when you can just have the default aim lock on for you, basically. Yeah. And I'm a default, I'm a default man myself too. I think default's a great place, place to start. It's got the auto aim that helps you. uh, And it's a great place for any player really at all skill levels. Oh, gotcha. Um, Also another, another area that is always big is settings and sensitivity. Um, Pretty much down the down the line, general 100, red dot 30, uh, two-time scope 52, four-time scope 66, and AWM scope 82. What, what do you guys think about that? I mean, I know you, you might not, you probably know all your sensitivities pretty much, pretty much right off the bat, but what would you tell a new player for their sensitivity? High sensitivity or low sensitivity? It really depends on which device you're playing on. If you're playing on... Uh, mobile, then I would say those sensitivities you're probably going to want a little bit higher. Uh, if you're playing on if you're playing on PC and you try to run those sensitivities, it's really just too twitchy. It 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 dampens you 
because I mean, you can breathe on a mouse at a certain level DPI and yeah. you get two or three pixel movement. Yeah. What do you think, yeah, Carver? My, my sensitivity player? is down the line or zero, 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 zero. So, because um, I got on a PC player, I'm a PC emulator player. I can custom set up my mouse with the sensitivity I need. So I don't need the game to modify it at all. I can do it with my mouse and my mouse program. So I don't want the game to change what I've already t- uh, tweaked. And as the three of us all play on emulators, that's that's what I think we all have them based on what our mouse setup is. So that may be good for, for a starting no- mobile player or a PC player that may be just brand new, but you'll, you'll find that you'll change them as you go. Yeah. And as the, as the dreaded controller guy, I'm actually trying this out, okay? So I'm going to let you all know how this goes. But I'm going to be trying out controller for a little bit because I've been watching some demos of guys playing on controller, and they love it. And especially for somebody who's a traditionalist, who I grew up you know, playing first-person shooters like Call of Duty and you know, and now Fortnite, you know, as it's come out, has become big. Like, I really, I really enjoy controller. So I'm, I'm, I'm wanna, I want to see how the crossover works for Free Fire as, you know, as that goes. Um, number five is never unnecessarily jump shoot. Never unnecessarily jump shoot. Is that a good? Is that a good uh, advice to new players? Uh, it says a lot of free fire players often overuse jump shoot. I mean, I definitely overuse it. I love to jump <laughs> shoot uh, because you do it in a lot of other games. And in pro- the problem with free fire with a drag shot headshot, jumping just helps them. It just, for some reason, when you jump and they're drag shotting, it just makes it even easier for them to get the headshot. So mm-hmm. if they are trying to one-tap you and you're jumping, you're probably getting one-tapped. You're probably getting down. Mm-hmm. Um, if not, you can get a beautiful kill. I think with, we can talk about this in the next episode. We're going to talk about input lag and maybe a little bit about ping. And um, if you're in a higher ping server, jump shot actually can help you get a headshot really easily. It can almost mm-hmm. give you that 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 one tap headshot so um it really is varies depending on server and your ping but i would i would encourage i think that's a right a right recommendation there uh this is this is i thought this one was interesting number six is take fights in the shrink zones for a new player take fights in the shrink zones they say it's because 80 percent of free fire players get nervous during the shrink zone and so if you have an advantage take it that's the time to pursue and be aggressive i don't what do you think carver I completely agree with that. It's always good to use your advantages that the game gives you and you play on your strong suits to always help you win out a fight. Yeah. See, I, I'm, I'm that eager beaver. I get happy and I would like, oh, we're going to go shoot because we got an advantage. Uh, Jake, has, uh, uh, Trashman, you play with me quite a few times, right? Which you know, right? Like, yeah. and so you, so have you, so have you, Dad Venture. I get it, Kyle. Okay, like, but I do get eager, right? So, so <laughs> would you agree with this for a player like me? Should I take fights in the shrink zones? I think they're talking in general. Just while the zone is shrinking, um, you yes to early shrink zones because mm-hmm. their focus is elsewhere. It yeah. is getting mm-hmm. to the safe zones. But as the circle collapses to almost nothing, nothing you have no cover. So the only cover you have is fighting. I mean, that that's it. Yeah. And yeah. then here's I, the last one, I, seven. I, seven is that sniping improves your aim. Now, Trashman, I know you like sniping, so t- tell me, is that do you think that's accurate? Not really. Uh, because like people, people all have different play styles. Kyle can run an SMG like no other. Um, Flame Carver, he's good with shotguns, and I, yeah, he loves the Mag Seven, so he's great. 
with those. For me, I use longer longer range, and when it comes to the short range game, I'm still probably about noob level. Mm. Uh, it, it just is what it is. I don't think it helps or hurts you aiming wise. It may get you down a little bit, but overall, I don't think so. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Well, as a as a noob, this is uh this has been really helpful because these are things that you know that a noob like me wants to know. You know, because I need those tips and tricks to get the upper hand, right? Carver, um, I think you've got a cool announcement, a special announcement, actually, for our listeners. Yes, I do. Over on our uh, freefirefamily.com website, we're doing 100 diamond airdrops over there. We're doing them every day through the month of February. You must comment on the post and with your name in the game and your UID and your server to enter. One lucky winner will be chosen every day through the entire month of February. That's awesome. That's a big deal. That is awesome. Yeah, I mean, our Free Fire family website, I think, is a great way. It's just one other way. To me, I think the Free Fire community is one of the most loyal and best communities in gaming right now. I'll just be honest with you. Like, people will forsake the big name, you know, the, the, the Fortnites and the Call of Duties because they're mainstream popular. Uh, Free Fire has this humongous following, right, of dedicated people who love the game, who play on a regular basis consistently. And I think, I mean, honestly, that's what every gamer wants. You want a community of people that love playing the game together. And that's been my experience is when I play, it's, it's, always, it's always such a blast. Like, I just, I absolutely love it. Well, that's great. Um, and check out freefirefamily.com. You get a chance to get 100 diamonds every day. That's amazing for all of you Get to get your top up. And we appreciate you listening to us on the Free Fire Pro podcast. We'll be with you on the next episode. And we got some big news on that one. Big news out of Latin America and the Donato. Is he quitting Free Fire permanently or not? We'll tell you more on the next episode. Until then, we'll see you on the next Free Fire Pro podcast.